Those famous words from Neil Armstrong in 1969 are probably the most famous words for a lot of us. And some of you may have even uh, been watching TV as in black and white. You heard those words come over the speakers, but you might not be as familiar with this voice. Oh, hey, there is orange soil. Well, don't move it till I see it. It's all over. Orange. Don't move it till I see it. I've stirred it up with my feet. Hey, it is. I can see it from here. It's orange. Those are the voices of astronauts Eugene A. Cernan and Harrison Schmidt finding orange-colored soil in a crater called Shorty back in 1973 during the Apollo 17 mission which was the last time we were allegedly on the moon. And they sound really excited about it, but they may have found something else in that crater that they didn't really tell us about. What was it? What did they find, Gons? You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Now here are your hosts, Basil and Gons. Hello, Canaries. Welcome to Canary Cry Radio. This is Basil. And this is Gons. Apparently Basil's on the moon. But uh, yeah, we're here doing episode number 56, and as you might imagine, we are going to talk about the moon today. Basil, are you there? Roger, got kind of a bad connection here. Alright, well come, come back down so we can do the show. Just kidding, I'm not actually on the moon. Nobody's ever been to the moon for real. Or have they? Man, the creative creative genius we have going on here. That is probably the best intro we've ever done. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Mighty fine. Mighty fine there, co-host. Okay. All right. Well, there's a lot of questions about the moon. Yes. That big orb in the sky that you've seen up there once in a while. Yes. Um, Things like, did we ever go to the moon? Or was that just a complete cover-up? Is it hollow? Or maybe it's a hologram. (laughs) Are there ancient structures on the dark side of the moon? Or maybe there are alien bases on the dark side of the moon. Or is the moon itself an alien base made of cheese? Yeah, we'll get into all that today. (laughs) But uh, first, let's hit you with some quick facts. Houston, we've got some quick facts about the moon. Roger. Like actual facts about the moon before we get into the cheese part. Right. Yes. Okay. 
Well, why don't you give me one of your so-called facts, Gons? Okay, well, this first fact, this is just the etymology of the word moon. Uh, oh, the noun gosh. moon derives from moon. Uh, it was coined in about 1380, which developed from Monet, M-O-N-E, from 1135, which derives from Old English Mona, dating back from the year 725, which, like all Germanic languages, cognates ultimately stem from Proto-Germanic Menon. And I'm sure you guys are all very aware of that, obviously. I mean, this is according to the Barnhart Concise Dictionary of Etymology, so obviously it's true. The adjective to moon is lunar, 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 derived from Latin luna. Another less common adjective is selenic, derived from the ancient Greek selene, and that's also mentioned in the Oxford Dictionary. So, interesting fact number one. Basil, you want to do number two? My facts are based around, well, you'll get the picture. If you were in a car driving to the moon, at this very moment... It would take five months, nine days, 14 hours, 46 minutes, and 14 seconds if you were driving at 60 miles an hour. 60? Yeah, you could probably go faster, though. I don't think space police are very, (laughs) are very, uh, I don't know. They don't care. Yeah, or if you're in a UFO, then you're, you know, anti-gravity. You're probably going faster than 60, but, you know. Right, but we're in a car. Yeah, okay. Okay, so what's one of your facts, man? My facts sound boring compared to your facts, as no, usual. keep going. I know, right. this is just part of the thing. Yeah, here. yeah, part of the thing. It gets better. Um, the moon gets much hotter and much colder than the Earth, and it can get up to 260 degrees Fahrenheit and down to minus 280 degrees Fahrenheit. But, you know, the moon doesn't have air around it, so it's much more prone to greater temperature extremes. So if you're there, you'll either freeze your little took us off or you will burn. Burn. Well, Gons, if you were in an airplane <laughs> traveling 600 miles per hour, okay. which is a, moder- it's a moderate pace for an, an, an airliner. That's not bad, yeah. It would take you 16 days Four hours, four minutes, and 37 seconds, which is quite the plane ride, you know, especially if you're on Southwest, you know, you're not getting many meals. You're just living on peanuts and pretzels. If you've got a peanut allergy, that crying baby, three rows ahead will be 16 days older by the time you get there. Wow. Well, yeah, that's good. I saw a commercial with like these new cool like seat thingies that like you can lay down in airplanes and stuff. I'm yeah, sure but those have, those have those have been in first class for a while. <laughs> let let me tell you, Gons. Yeah, well, I've been in coach up, all my life. Up, so up in first class, we've been taking horizontal naps on transatlantic flights for quite a while. Well, I've I've been able to take horizontal naps it just wasn't very pleasant for people around me but anyway remind me not to take long plane trips with you <laughs> all right so what's your next what's your next thing okay Mr. fact man yeah Come on, fact man all right, all right all right okay there's a place on the moon called the sea of tranquility 
and actually, obviously, there's no seas on the moon, but uh, the misconception came from Galileo, who was the first person to study the night sky using a telescope, and even after it was disproved that, you know, it's not really a sea, uh, the name stuck. So there's a place called the Sea of Tranquility, named after Galileo on the moon. So Galileo thought that there were seas on the moon. Oh, yeah. Idiot. All right. (laughs) If you are traveling... (laughs) If you're traveling the speed of sound, which you can do in many performance aircraft today, it's going to take you 12 days, 17 hours, 57 minutes, and 40 seconds, which is still an incredibly long time considering that you are moving faster then my voice is coming out of your earbuds into your ears. So, there. That's pretty impressive. It is. All right. Next fact. (laughs) Next fact. All right. The moon always shows the same face towards the Earth, and it's called synchronous rotation. And, uh, yeah. Synchronous? We'll get into um, some speculation as to what's on the dark side of the moon later. Dark side of the moon. All right. Well, I'm running out of facts, so hopefully you have more. Saturn V, which travels at a rate of 17,432 miles per hour, can get to the moon in just 13 hours, 21 minutes, and 40 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's the only way to fly. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Rocket man. Rocket man. Rocket man. I was always amazed that his shoes didn't burn. Anyway, factoid number, whatever this is now, it doesn't matter. The moon isn't perfectly round. It's rather, it's slightly egg shaped. And according to NASA, the large end of the eggy shaped part of it is Aimed towards Earth. So we would never know. We would never know. They could totally just be making that up. Yep, yep, yep. Um, suit their eggy needs. <laughs> right. And maybe it's hollow like an egg. Well, an egg's not oh. necessarily exactly oh. hollow. But anyway. Uh-oh. Light. Light itself, which travels at 186,000 miles her second, a little bit over that actually, can get from here to the moon and from the moon back here in just 1.25 seconds. That's impressive. So when I shoot my laser beam that I have at the right. moon and yep. when it gives me back yep. Morse code, Morse code, it's traveling at very, very fast speeds. Right. But... Maybe maybe that speed varies because the moon's linear distance from the Earth is currently increasing at a rate of about four centimeters a year. What? So we're gonna lose it. It's go- It's leaving us. It's leaving us slowly. Good. Good riddance. <laughs> and okay, here's a few more. Scientific studies have shown that crime goes up on a full moon. Yeah, those lunatics. Yep, exactly. Uh, There was a study in 1998. It was actually a three-month-long psychological study of 1,200 inmates at Armley Jail in Leeds in the UK, and they discovered a rise in violent incidents during full moons. 
And car accidents occur 14% more often on average during a full moon than a new moon. Wow. So bottom line, stay inside during a new moon or a full moon. Right. Well, and you have werewolves to contend with. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to go crazy, do it in the safety of your own home. Yeah. All right. All right, uh, are you out? What's faster than the speed of light? Let's let's Nothing. keep it going. Nothing. I made it. I made it all the way to the end of my my list. Okay, uh, we got a couple more here. Um, in memory of Jack Parsons, you know the guy who did uh, Babylon Working, that whole occult thing. Uh, sure. You know he he's so influential for NASA that NASA actually named a lunar area after Jack Parsons. Wow, that's nice of them. So they have a small piece of real estate up there that uh, is named after a dude that did a really crazy occult ritual. That's good, right? Right. Yeah. Speaking of um, territory on the moon, how you know Jack Parsons has some real estate up there. Okay. The Scottish Rite, right? The the largest Masonic sect. Um, right. They formally established Tranquility Lodge. Number 2000, a Masonic Lodge on the Moon, back in 2000. I like how 2000 is in there. Like, you can't have anything in space without, like, Tranquility Lodge 2000. 000. <laughs> to make it more spacey. Yeah. Like, well, like Robot Army 5000. 000. Uh, if, if I had a space robot army that's what it would be called well somebody may already have that up there yeah all right well those are uh, some interesting factoids interesting factoids we have there everybody all right you want to get into some not so much facts <laughs> as far as some people are concerned less facts but uh, nevertheless interesting i will you say no you never know. You never know. This is the part That's the where thing, we facts. we step out of the cage and we start getting into the crazy stuff. Right. This is Houston. You are a go for strange things people think about the moon. Roger. All right, this first one, uh, I guess it's a conspiracy, but it's kind of been debunked, but it's interesting nonetheless. Back in August of 1835, the New back York... then. Yeah, back in August, a uh, few decades ago. 1835. The New York Sun newspaper began writing articles describing life on the moon. Uh, this was actually based on Sir John Herschel's telescope, and the article basically described these fantastical creatures like unicorns and, and Batmans and uh, all these crazy people and creatures living on the moon. But later what happened was Sir John Herschel rejected the paper and actually came out and accused the New York Sun for like using his name to like come up with these ridiculous stories. Uh, right. But, you know, the New York Sun never retracted, so it's out there somewhere in one of those, you know, microfiche Wait, thingies. So wait, he actually wrote those papers or somebody else wrote the papers? No, the the New York Sun reported it and they basically used Sir John Herschel as a, you know, as the guy who apparently saw these things, but then he later came out and says, "Oh, I never I never oh, saw." Oh, like he's looking at unicorns on the moon with his telescope. Right. <laughs> like that was the and story. Like, and bat people. Yeah. Well, that's 
Yeah, that sounds reasonable. That well, that was the story the New York Sun started putting out, and right. then and then later, you know, he was like, no, no. <laughs> this is this see this is a perfect example of the mass media. I know, right? Uh, that's what I thought. Yeah, back in oh, 1835, that's... already fabricating stories to, you know, sway the the public into believing certain things and even you know who are you going to believe the guy you know the sir john herschel or are you going to believe the new york sun well yeah and they're using john herschel's name right to like give this ridiculous i mean was this a joke was this like a well that's like the thing a, i mean like a war of the worlds type thing the only people that know that are the the publishers at the new york sun you know because they they wrote it as if it was true you know, I mean, they, right. they're obviously using a real dude's name and everything. So I don't think they were trying to be like, ha ha ha, unicorns and bat people, you know, or maybe, maybe they were. Maybe they're really, maybe there really are unicorns and bat people and current moon conspiracies are trying to hide the unicorns and bat people. Yeah, that's possible. Although 1835, that's just a little bit after uh, the Illuminati was formed and everything. So, you know, right. maybe they're, they're, uh, <laughs> early propaganda machine work there over at the New York Sun back in uh, Perhaps. 1835. Perhaps. Fascinating. All right, well, that's bizarre. Yeah. I think we should rerun those those stories. We we'll, should. We they should just... I'm sure... You know what's funny? I'm sure that if we reran a lot of these stories from the 1800s, it's just like science fiction. Some right. stories are just ridiculous, you know? Right. Uh, which is fine. I love that. It's, I think it would make things more interesting. Huh. All right. Well, here's another one for you. As long as we're going through um, moon stuff, you know, as long as we're on the subject. Did Nostradamus predict the moon landing or the moon landing hoax? In his writings in Quatrain 9 slash 65, to be uh, precise, he wrote, he will come to go into the corner of Luna, where he will be captured and put in a strange land. The unripe fruits will be the subject of great scandal, great blame to one, great praise. Ah, see? That's quite cryptic. I, I don't even know what this is. You don't get it? I mean, come on, it's so obvious. All right, Mr. Fancy Pants. All right, let's, let's break this on? down, okay? Break it down. He will come to go into the corner of Luna. Okay, so they're going to go to the moon. Right, okay. Where he will be captured and put in a strange land. Right, so there's creatures on the moon and they're going to capture you. <laughs> or Unicorns and bat people. Unicorns and bat people. Or you can read it as... The people like the astronauts are going to be, you know, manipulated into. Will be captured and put in a strange land. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, the unripe fruits will be the subject of great scandal. Right. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. That's pretty. The unripe fruits, you know, we, we weren't, maybe we weren't actually there, you know, unripe fruits. So we just sort of you know, made it, made a movie out of it. Right, right, right. Made some fake documents, some fake stuff, and they'll be a subject of great scandal, which they are. All right, I can totally, I can latch onto that. Yeah, and then great blame to... Great blame 
to one great praise. Which is yes. totally true, right? I mean, you got right. you got people blaming NASA and all these people as for cover up, and then you got the other side saying, "Look at us, we went to the moon. We are just yeah. so incredible." Well, you know? Right? It was originally a great praise, but now if they indeed were, are lying about it, it brings great blame to that praise. Right. Well, I mean, we're not going to put any stock in Nostradamus, and this is just for fun. Just just to say it, because someone's guy can already see someone emailing us. You guys. Nostradamus isn't real. There's something. I don't know. We get a lot of different things. <sighs> yes. But that, we, yeah, we know. Yeah. Um, get- all right. So that's Nostradamus, Mr. Prediction Man, who allegedly predicted the 9-11 and all sorts of stuff after yeah. the fact, right? I mean, he was doing some weird occult stuff too, right? Well, wasn't he using like, like some kind of crystal ball and like, yeah, some crazy stuff. No, I mean, totally weird dude, for sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's for another time. So, Japanese spacecrafts um, retrieved some data from the moon that indicates that there's some uranium on the moon. And Ooh. so, a lot of researchers said that this is the first evidence of radioactive element in the lunar dirt. And so now, you know, obviously the conspiracy folks are going to come out and they're going to say, oh, uranium, eh? Weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> uranium, eh? Oh, let me see. <laughs> Let's see here, eh? So, so, you know, when Bush was like, those weapons of mass destruction got to be somewhere. <laughs> nope, no weapons over there. <laughs> Maybe under here. <laughs> he was talking about the moon. The moon. It all makes so much sense now. So this is just another one of those things uh-huh. based on fact. You know, it's like, oh, we found uranium. Oh, well, obviously they, they have nuclear rockets, you know, pointed at the earth or, right. or are they pointed to outer space? Oh, gosh. Here oh, they come. it just goes deeper and deeper. Here they come. Those. Oh, my gosh. Those unicorns and bat people. Here they, here they come. Sure. Do we have permission to fire the nuclear missile at the unicorn bat person army? Permission granted. Oh, that guy sounds like a... Yeah, he's a real hard-nosed yeah, yeah. five-star general. Yeah, his arm was blown off and then it just grew back. You know, that right, guy. He's, got an eye, he's got an eye patch. Yeah, yeah. Missing and teeth. like a, a scar going down the side of his face. Yeah, exactly. Um, totally. Right. Really buff. Permission granted. That's that's usually all he says. He just gives people permission, <laughs> and then he just goes and destroys people, right? And or or bat people, or unicorns, or unicorns. <laughs> all right, moving on. Okay, we can't do an episode about the moon without mentioning a gentleman named Richard C. Hoagland, who most of you guys are probably familiar with. He's a regular guest on Coast to Coast, and you know he comes out and says all these ridiculous things. Actually, they're not necessarily ridiculous, but they're, you know, they're very highly speculative. And uh, he has a book called Dark Mission, The Secret History of NASA, which he co-wrote with Mike Barra. And in the book, he claims that glass or crystal-like ruins can be seen on the lunar surface. 
And uh, he says that some of them are even a mile long. So it's really interesting because uh, the claim is that, you know, photos of the ruins uh, that were photographed by the Apollo astronauts have been withheld from the public by NASA for, you know, for like 30 years or something. So according to Richard Hoagland, he says, the orbital photographs show us the scale of ancient ruins on the moon. And surface photography by the astronauts have shown remarkable specific examples of anomalies that could only be explained through there being ancient remnants of some extraordinary advanced technology. What NASA did not tell the American people is that it discovered the remains of an ancient lunar civilization. And to this day, the data and those artifacts have been withheld from the American public. So that's that's more some, stuff being withheld from us. Yeah, I mean, but those are some, those are some bold claims. You know? Those I mean, are some bold claims. I feel like I can make a lot of bold claims and just say that the government's not telling anyone. <laughs> that's true. I mean, in fact, I think I do make some bold claims <laughs> and say that the American government is not telling anyone. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, this one's a little tougher for me. You know, I'm all about, you know, the possibility of moon aliens and uh, ancient ruins of crystal and glass on the moon. But it's just hard when there's just nothing to go off of. Yeah, there's really, really no evidence. But actually, in 1994, the, the U.S. Navy sent a satellite called Clementine to take pictures of the dark side of the moon. But... You know, the claim was that they found nothing unusual, and the, right. the actual claim was we found nothing unusual, uh, nothing unusual, and so there's nothing to really share with the public. So <laughs> that in itself is kind of shady. Um, that is a little bit shady. I will say that. <laughs> but here, here's here's something to consider to give Richard Hoagland some points. Okay, there have been about 1.8 million images taken on all the. Uh, you know, the moon missions and the satellites that have been sent there. And right. only 170,000 of those images have been made public. I mean, that's right. very, that's a very small amount of pictures that have yeah. been public. So, I mean, you know, if, if there's nothing to hide, then how come? Yeah. But are the, are the rest of those pictures, like, are they like classified? Like, are they in a file somewhere with a big red stamp that says, don't show anyone these, they're classified. Or are they just like, did they just not turn out? Did like Kodak mess up the, <laughs> the, 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 the film developing? Right. And just, well, here's a, here's another big white blur of just moon, nothing out of focus. Right. Right. Well, I mean, the claim is that the rest have been classified. So, right. I mean, that anytime anything gets classified, the conspiracy theorists, you know, it's like oh, no, absolutely. I mean, if anything's classified, I'm total. I'll jump on that train. Like, <laughs> why? Why? Why does? Why is it classified? If they're so, and at the same time, I mean, if they're so crappy and out of focus, prove it. Right. Right. Well, I mean, see. you know, we'll get into some other speculative things that uh, have actual images that that back it up. You know, and this right. is this this stuff. You know, we sort of did this in the Mars episode where we kind of looked at pictures and whatnot, but this is, I think there's a little bit more, uh, more of a possibility here. We'll get to that in a second, but 
Just to keep going here with some of the, the quote-unquote evidence or, or you know testimony of some people, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, who's kind of been outspoken about the whole alien thing, you know, he was right. the, the lunar module pilot for the Apollo 14, and he said during an interview on Kerrang! Radio with some guy named Nick Margerson uh, back in 2008. You believe in life on other planets? Uh, oh, yes, there's not much question at all, but there's life throughout the universe. We're not alone in the universe at all. You're convinced that we're not alone in the universe? Oh, I know for sure we're not alone in the universe. Now, have we been able to identify for sure where the other planets are? No, we have not. Certainly not in our solar system. But uh, they've identified quite a number of planets now that very likely could be life-bearing planets. And um, I happen to be privileged enough to have uh, been on the fact that we have been visited on this planet. And the UFO phenomenon is real, although it's been covered up by our governments for quite a long time. <laughs> Whoa! Hang and, on a minute. Well, this is big. Uh, so, uh, I, 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 whoa, this, this is, this, all of this is quite a shock to me. Well, I'm sorry, you haven't been reading the paper recently. It's starting to open up quite a bit. So you're telling me, <laughs> well, there's a lot of information to take on board. Hang on a minute. Um, I, I mean, listen, I've, I've heard, like, uh, you know, crazy UFO nuts tell me this kind of thing before. I've never had Dr. Ed Mitchell, uh, uh, you know, the, the sixth man to walk on the moon, uh, a respected scientist in his own right, uh, announced to me that, that we've been visited by aliens from uh, other planets and that they, they definitely are out there. There's no debating it. Well, that's the first time you've ever talked to me or I've told you about it before. <laughs> so, so you, you believe in all of You believe the, the whole, the well, whole no, deal? There, there's more nonsense out there about this than there is rea uh, real knowledge. But there is, it is a real phenomenon. And uh, there's quite a few of us. It's been well covered up by all of our governments uh, for the last 60 years or so, uh, but slowly it's leaked out, and some of us are privileged to have been briefed on some of it. I happen to have grown up in the, you, I don't even know you, whether you know this place, Roswell, New Mexico, where presumably the Roswell incident of 1947 took place, and uh, I'm quite knowledgeable of the lore there, and uh, since I grew up there, but I've also been in military circles and intelligence circles that knows beneath the surface of what has been uh, public knowledge. But yes, we have been this. And he described aliens as being, quote, little people who look strange to us. And <laughs> <laughs> he actually uh, warned that our technology is not, you know, close to theirs. And so um, he said, had they been hostile, we would be gone by now. Well, so. duh. I mean, that's, <laughs> of course. Yeah, that's a, that is, that is interesting. You know, it's always interesting with, a, when astronauts themselves talk about aliens and there's a lot of that going around and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Continuing on here. I mean, th this is still under the whole one big conspiracy about, you know, aliens and moons and, you know, on the moon and stuff. Sure. So this is, this is a long one and we got a few more things here, but Neil Armstrong, this is another rumor. So no, you know, okay. not not All factoids. Right. But Neil Armstrong, the the obviously we heard yeah, at the top Neil of the Armstrong. show, and Buzz Aldrin, the the claim is that they saw and they filmed active alien uh, moon base stuff going on while they were on the moon, uh, doing their lunar jaunt. And 
you know, there's also rumors that James Lovell of Apollo 8 is also rumored to have seen evidence of alien life. So, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to say, like, like, what do you say? I when, mean, when you, what do you mean when you say rumored? I don't know, man. The internet. It's rumored for him to, okay, the internet. Yeah, the internet. So. The, the internet, right. you know. And, and I know that Edgar Mitchell has been outspoken with it. I don't know about Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. I think they've been kind of cryptic. Been, they've been, so they have spoken about aliens and coming in contact with UFOs. While they're traveling out, right? Like something was following them. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I know they've mentioned stuff like that, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's hard to say, man. What do you, what do you say? I mean, is, is that serve as proof? I mean, you don't know. I mean, are these guys, you know, I, mind control victims, you know, are they part of the whole, I don't know. It's so hard. Cause we're talking about, we're talking about, did they see alien bases on the moon? And, and we still have yet to talk about the fact that if they even were on the moon. Right. So, I mean, there's so much involved with the conversation it's the most complicated conversation in the world to have yeah that's true because right now we're talking trying to decide if they saw aliens up there when uh you know in a little bit we're gonna try to talk about if they were even up there in the first place right which i'll say this i'll say if they were up there it would not surprise me to find that they had at least discovered evidence of activity evidence of activity yes well i mean yeah that's obvious there's big old craters that means something hit the moon i mean that's activity alien activity okay all right not just what did you call me adult adult a dolt (laughs) like un un dolt un dolte dolto dolto I don't even know what that means. Is that actually a thing? I don't know. I apologize. I should have never called you adult. <laughs> I'm not even positive what that means. Uh, we but I'm talking up. about alien activity. Okay, alien activity. You know, yeah, I would yeah. Not be surprised that there's something. Well, I mean, okay. Here, I mean, well, we'll get into it later. But I mean, I can mention here where is it alien or is it actually ours? You know, like is it our stuff? And we'll get into that. I guess it I jumped the gun. Atlantean. Yeah. Or yeah. Okay. Sticking with this here, and, and you know, this is again just people love to talk about conspiracy stuff on the moon. Um, and so there have been others. There was a speaker at Conspiracy Con 2011. I don't know why we haven't been to a Conspiracy yeah, Con why yet, are we but not there right now. <laughs> just the 365 day a year Conspiracy right. Con. Uh, this guy, I, I don't even, I didn't even catch his name, but uh, he showed alleged photos of. Apollo 14 uh, footage of something that looks like a monkey or a dog-like creature moving rapidly across the lunar surface while the astronauts were already back inside the spacecraft. And you know what? I I actually, when I saw this, I'm like, wait a minute, we've got to find that footage. And I actually dug around for a while and I couldn't find it. So, I mean, who knows? But what I did find was that, you know, some of the speculation was that it's just rocket fuel you know, that's, that's spurring out that kind of looks like it. Or, you know, it was, it was the director's pet racing across the sound stage, right? If this whole thing was staged, <laughs> right? Um, right? Or the other interesting thing is that there are actually, allegedly, some worm-like trails on the moon that you can actually see. 
right. if you look at some of these pictures, it, it looks like a trail basically. And then like what looks like kind of like a creature at the end of it. And, um, I mean, if there is some sort of life, you know, maybe not intelligent life, but some form of life up there on the moon, you know, they would create these sort of trails and whatnot. So, I mean, there's people that have speculated pretty heavily, you know, trying to show the evidence from the images and whatnot that, you know, there it is, there's a trail. And then you can see the, the, you know, the unicorn like animal at the tip of it or whatever, (laughs) you know, it's not a unicorn, but yeah, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm totally open to unicorns existing on the moon. All you got to do is show me the evidence. But unicorns wouldn't create worm-like trails, you know? I don't know. Maybe the unicorns don't have legs. Maybe they're wormicorns. <laughs> wormicorns. Oh, gosh. Oh, boy. I'm losing it, man. All right. So, okay. So, at the top of the show, we had some sound bites about some orange soil on the moon, which is interesting in itself. But later, they had to take off from that crater, crater, shorty. And as they were taking off, they took some pictures of the crater. And that's when they saw an object of which has been deemed Data's head. Data and his head. And Data, for those of you who don't know, is um, a cyborg from the... uh, He's not a cyborg. He's an android. I thought he was a... Oh, you're right. You're totally right. No, he is an android. He's not a cyborg. Um, He's an android (laughs) from Star Trek. And, uh, well, I wish we could just beam the photo of this into everybody's head. Make sure to go to the show notes and check out the picture. But it's it looks quite like a uh, the head of a robot. I'm interested in the scaling of this thing. Was this thing like the size of a head of if okay. it were a real robot? The the person who brought this to light a few years ago was Richard Hoagland, who we mentioned earlier, and he's got an article on his website that you know, he kind of a real brief one that sort of goes over um, the findings here. And he's the one that pointed out this head and uh, he claims, and he doesn't actually do it in this article, which is kind of disappointing. Maybe he does it somewhere else in a book that, that I'm not aware of, but he claims that he can prove that it's actually human size or close to human size uh, head wow. rock. So yeah, I mean, it, it, when you look at this picture, you know, from a distance, it is kind of eerie. <laughs> it's, it does kind of look like, data or some have said c3po and uh-huh. um you know the, it does the, have a c3po quality to it yeah and what's really interesting is when they zoomed in you know as far as they could with you know when it, it starts getting pixelated it's kind of rough but you can see the eyes you know that's what's really creepy is you can kind of see like the holes where the eyes would be um kind of like right. c3po and that's what's really kind of interesting about this and Hoagland even goes far, he, he gets way out there and says like, George Lucas is in the know, you know, he, he knew about the head and that's why, you know, and then he'll say like the death star is basically the moon, you know, the moon is the death, you know, he goes off into that thing. I mean, they, they actually even call the death star, they liken it to a moon in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, they do. In case anybody was 
thinking about that as I was. There you go. I hope someday somebody on some conspiracy podcast or perhaps just a blog post on the internet makes a reference and they go, Basil was in the know. He knew I'll do something. I'll make a movie or something someday. And they'll go, he totally knew that there were giant slug creatures on Venus, which would be the current conspiracy at this time in the future for some reason. And, and then somehow they just totally make a connection with me. Um, knowing that and i just i just want that to happen well you're gonna have to make a movie about you know wormicorns or whatever. Or i was gonna say or maybe they'll just use this podcast as proof as proof it'll, yep it'll be like 45 years from now and they're like he mentioned wormicorns <laughs> on air he said it he knew and then they'll just have some like super sketchy photos from the surface of Venus with like a, a worm shape with a big horn coming out of its head. Yes, that is um, totally something that uh, we should all aspire to do. I guess. Right. What were we talking about? Data's before? head. We're talking oh, about Data's, Data's head. head. Oh, right. Okay. Here's another thing about that, you know, because I listened to some of these interviews by Richard Hoagland and Right. He goes on to suggest that maybe, I mean, he gets really, really speculative on this, right? And he says that they actually brought the head home, right? Oh, yeah. And, and that's why, you know, all these guys like George Lucas <laughs> they, knew about it. They took pictures of it and then went back to grab it. To go, <laughs> to go get it. They flew away because they took the pictures. They were surface pictures of the moon when they saw it, right? Right, right. <laughs> so they're like, oh, look at that. It's it. it's it's funny because it's funny you mention that because Hoagland has this whole elaborate theory of like oh it would have been easy for them to come back down and pick up the <laughs> rock and just bring it back and then you know he goes into like the the you know what if they were able to wake it up you know you just plug him in and there you go you can talk to him and you know find out exactly what happened on the moon and yeah because moon moon people would totally be using the same sort of uh you know male to female connectors that 1960s 1970s nasa would be using yeah exactly so and you know the same programming language and the same spoken word and uh, everything would well. I you mean, know, if, if it's C three PO, then you know he's what? How many languages can he speak? Like enough. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Touché. What I what I find fascinating though is there's a picture, or I mean, sorry, in the picture of the alleged Data's head, there's right. actually another kind of creepy like head thing on the Ooh. right side, and. I don't know, Basil. Take a look at it. I think it's... Is it the one that kind of looks like a, a hamster? Uh, no. I, I, maybe. I don't know. It depends on how you're looking at it. But uh, I'm looking on the right side. I see a hamster. You see a hamster. Okay, I there see... There are hamsters on the moon. <laughs> Giant hamster people. Okay, so if you trace... Okay, if you, the one you see. If you get the head, right? If you start at the head and you trace it all the way to the right... Yeah. In a straight line and then go down just a little bit. Yeah. There's like a horse worm, horse thing face. Yeah, it's, it's the hamster. You see a hamster? What do I see? I, see? I don't know if I see a hamster. I guess I see a hamster now. Yeah, okay. It's, like, it's short-nosed rodent. It's kind of like the Kia hamsters. It, it kind of looks like a creepy clown oh, face to me. 
That's that's where they got the Kia hamsters. They're, the dancing oh. Kia hamsters are moon hamsters. <laughs> Nobody's going to get anything of value out of this podcast. I apologize to everyone who's listening right now. It's okay. Richard Hoagland points out the turkey. So I'm not, well, I'm, are, I'm not joking. He shows <laughs> before moon he points turkeys. out, uh, before he points out the data's head, he points out the, the moon turkey. So we're, oh. we're in good company. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, as long as he sees crazy stuff too, I'm sure we're fine. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's um, move on to this, uh, last thing here because, or it's, I guess it's not the last thing, but 1942. There's a Nazi moon rising. Instead now, we have arms to such an extent as the world has never before seen. Okay, so now a list of conspiracies would not be complete unless it had something about Nazis. Nazis. Right? And late in the war, the Nazis were developing high-tech weaponry and some believe space shuttle technology. You know, this is not news to those of us in the know. Theories say that the, the Nazis could have actually been the winners of the space race in 1942. But, uh, you know, once they got to the moon, they didn't leave. And while they're there, they set up bases because we totally had the technology in the uh, first half of the 20th century to make moon bases. And we can't, <laughs> you can't do it now, obviously. Um, which is said to uh, have since been frequented by astronauts from other countries. Another rumor suggests that Hitler survived World War II, you know, fled the planet using a rocket and uh, <laughs> lived a long life. On uh, Nazi moon. Nazi moon. Nazi moon. Um, so that's a thing, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, we can't not mention the Nazis, but I mean, I guess if they had technology to get to the moon, they have technology to build moon bases, right? Right. You know, I, I guess because we got to the moon 40 years ago. And uh, just sort of never went back. Right. Well, I mean, so, yeah. Some, somebody's obviously already there. <laughs> the, the Freemasons. The, sorry, the Scottish sorry. Rite Freemasons are there. Sorry to disturb you guys. That was like the second line after. One small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. That, that's the conspiracy. Then off in the distance you hear, Quiet down. We are trying to listen to the radio. That's my German accent. <laughs> That's the conspiracy. Right. That's the one that everyone everyone's going to credit you for. Right. Basil knew the whole time. Right. And then Neil Armstrong. This is in the, the secret hidden files that the government won't let you listen to. He goes, one giant leap for mankind. And then the Nazis yell at him and he goes, oh, Sorry. And then they just fly away, and that's it. Uh, okay, well, you Listen know. Listen to how jaded I am. We're so jaded by conspiracies. We now. are, I know. We are so jaded. I apologize, everyone, for our... I know, we're, we're so... Complete lack of... We're just not even giving them an inch today. Yeah, well, you know, what are you going to do? We, Yeah. 
but <laughs> I mean, what do you expect? You know, we're gonna. I mean, we're not gonna sit here and tell you tell our audience that there's glass unicorn worms on the moon, people. You know, know. like we're well, not gonna sit here and tell people that. So, well, because here's the thing, people listening <laughs> to me through the internet, there's a lot of people who are just gonna straight up tell you that Richard Hoagland. All those guys, they'll just straight up say it to your face. There are Nazis on the moon. There's crystal palaces on the moon. <laughs> and you're a fool if you don't believe it. But, you know, around here, Canary Cry Radio, we're a little bit more reasonable, a little bit more grounded in the proof. And uh, we've spent a lot of time listening to very interesting things. I mean, we, we even reported on Obama teleporting to Mars. <laughs> like, right. after that, what else could yeah. you possibly say to me? I just... Yeah, yeah, there's really not much else. But I, I'll tell you right. this, just, you know, getting back on track here a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we, we need to talk more about the moon. Yeah. We, we digress. <laughs> a Romanian scientist named Radovan Tomovici... Who, okay. uh, who studied conspiracy theories for decades, which, oh. I mean, this guy, I mean, this guy's, he must be really jaded. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he, this is what he God said. God bless him. He said, for over 70 years, it has been common knowledge that the Nazis had a research program overseen by Hans Kammler during the war with the goal of conquest and control of orbital space. It seems that Kammler, who mysteriously vanished in parentheses, in Antarctica, shortly before the end of the war, and his team were successful. We're in trouble now. Okay, so so that's the quote by Radovan Tomovici, but some people in the blogosphere claim that this this you know quote by Mr. Tomovici is simply a PR move to market Iron Sky, which came out in April of 2012. So again, again with the marketing uh, I know propaganda. You know, it's like what, what's truth? You can't tell yeah. anymore because of, of mainstream media. To. Everywhere we turn, they're lying to us, guns. Yeah, I know. It's us against the world, buddy. Yeah. Well, here, here's yeah. some. Um, here's a couple <laughs> <laughs> interesting yeah. factoids. Since uh, th- these are not lies, these are actual things uh, okay. pertaining to the colonization of the moon. Just you know, quick tidbits. Project Horizon, um, back in 1959, was started by the U.S. Army, and their plan was to establish a fort on the moon by 1967. And this is, again, according to the Army. Uh, so this is not fake. This is actual real stuff. Right. Um, I don't think they succeeded, or did they? I don't know. That that file is classified. <laughs> but in, I will tell you that in 1962, John Denike and another named uh, Stanley Zahn published their idea of a subsurface base location at the Sea of Tranquility. And this base uh, would house a crew of 22 or 21 in modules placed four meters below the surface, and uh, which was believed to provide enough shielding from the radiation. Now, on par with Earth's atmosphere, so it's definitely a possibility, I suppose. Yeah, and it's it's at the Sea of Tranquility too, right? Right, so it's tranquil, <laughs> and it's under the ocean. But I mean, the uh, tons of people have plans for the moon. I mean, we have in two thousand six, Japan planned to have a moon base by 
2030 and 2007, Russia talked about having a moon base uh, anywhere between 2027 and 2032. And in 2007, Jim Berkey of the International Space University in France, he said that people should plan to preserve humanity's culture in the event of a civilization stopping asteroid impact with Earth. And uh, a lunar uh, sort of Noah's Ark was proposed. Yeah. And even and even Newt Gingrich in yep. in I think it was last year he made a speech proposed a plan to build a US moon colony by 2020. In my career, I introduced the Northwest Ordinance for Space. And I said when we got I think the number is 13,000. When we have 13,000 Americans living on the moon, they can petition to become a state. I wanted every young American to say to themselves, I could be one of those 13,000. And I will, as president, encourage the introduction of the Northwest Ordinance for Space to put a marker down. We will have the first permanent base on the moon, and it will be American. We're planning ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, they must be doing something on this time off, right? So, Right. Oh, gosh, don't even get me started. <laughs> people, people are probably wondering why we're not talking about that right now. Yeah, that's true. It's because we're, we're talking about the moon. That's why. It's so not relevant. You know, I, I try. I, I try hard not to be relevant. So <laughs> that's our that's our goal here at Canary Cry Radio: <laughs> to not be relevant. Everyone's talking about the government stopping. So it's like, it's well, true. I mean, obviously, what are we going to talk about? The moon. It's true. The we moon. Really, got to not talk about what everybody else is talking about. All right. Well, let's just keep talking about stuff nobody cares well, maybe. about. That. <laughs> <laughs> well there's, there's a connection there no might be a connection there, there might be a connection you never know sure let's just hint that alright everybody make it to the end of the episode there's a connection between this and the government shutting down Obama went to the moon Obama's just on the moon hanging out hanging out with Hitler care. right although I have heard some I did hear this funny thing that reports were coming in like right when the government shut down that uh, all the congressmen were seen around Washington, D.C., just like getting hammered <laughs> at, at like fancy bar, like, you know, congressman bars. Oh, like gosh. they all just went and got just completely smashed, <sighs> which is totally understandable. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I, they just I mean, they ba- it's basically like. I mean, just think of, I don't know, anybody. Oh, we're working at Google. Here we are working at Google. Guys, I have a good idea. Let's just shut down Google. We can still get paid and everything. We don't. Let's just shut it down. And then they do. And then they just go get hammered. Because yeah, they can. They, yeah, because they can. They're still getting paid. It's all good. Yeah. Well. Nobody can search for cat videos or anything, but... <laughs> But yeah, nobody nobody can really like do any intense research on how terribly they're doing if we don't have the internet. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, there's already weird stuff happening. Like, uh, you know, I heard, uh, and this is totally off topic from the moon since you brought it up, or since I brought it up, I guess. You know, I was watching Colbert Report, and they're talking about the the truckers. You know, all the truckers like circling Washington D.C. What? Yeah, they're they're doing a thing. Where and one of the spokesperson was like, "We what we want is we want 
the President of the United States removed from office. That's right. President Obama will be so immobilized by the D.C. traffic jam that he will have no choice but to resign. I mean, really, what option does he have? Fly over it in some kind of gyroscopic sky car? And then another uh, trucker guy was like, He put 100 million people out on the road with truck drivers lawfully, constitutionally. It will be literally the largest traffic jam in the history of mankind as far as we're concerned. It's got that potential. You heard him say 100 million. They're going to start a little smaller. They're going to start with 3,000 arriving in D.C. on Friday morning. Yeah, 3,000 Friday morning. By Friday afternoon, 100 million. Yeah, we probably should just eliminate this whole part. Probably should just get rid of everything. That we've said about the government shutdown since we stopped talking about the moon. Okay. Okay. All right. Moving on. (laughs) Eyeballs start to hurt. You sound so enthusiastic. You know what's funny? You have you have this uh, sarcastic, like really, I'm over it, like attitude. (laughs) That's not changing. (laughs) The attitude is not changing. All right. Okay. Where are we at? All right. So here's the next thing here. There's a guy named Alex Collier mm-hmm. who back in 1996 made a presentation about his experience of being in contact with these Andromedan cosmonauts who allegedly yeah. showed him all kinds of stuff about the moon and how it's not actually a celestial body, but it's a hollow spacecraft, and it's been used for thousands of years to uh, transport, you know, a race of reptilians that came to Earth, and, I mean, all sorts of crazy stuff. And yeah, uh, totally. This gets into some of the more speculative, not that we... <laughs> Not that we haven't been speculating all the way here, but this this one's like right. this I mean, is the I mean, most. You did just you did just mention that the moon was a spaceship that brings reptilian people <laughs> to Earth, so I guess we can start speculating now. <laughs> I'll tell you what the Andromedans, Morane, and Paseus have said about the moon, and I, I want to take questions, so I want to get through this. They have said that our moon is an artificial satellite, in fact it is a spacecraft. Much of the debris on the surface was put there and was built purposely to make it look like what it isn't. Okay, it is hollow, it is metal underneath it, and uh, it has the ability to leave our orbit under its own power. They say it came from Ursa Minor from a, uh, a solar system that would have the symbol or uh, would have the name in our language of Chauta. It was one of four moons that rotated around the 17th planet. Now it was built, this sounds just like Star Wars, it was built around that 17th planet. It was then put into the tail of a comet and then dragged here. And when it got to the area, it removed itself, and the first place it parked itself in our solar system was the planet that we now know of as Muldek, which is the asteroid belt. It was one of two moons that belonged there. Muldek was the first inhabited planet in our solar system. It was very much like Earth. Mars and our planet were terraformed from Muldek, or Malona, or whatever name you want to call it. It was terraformed. In other words, all the plant life and everything that is on the surface and animal life was brought here. It was brought here. 
You know, science science tells us that you know everything started with a single cell. The Andromedans laughed at that. You know, and 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 Faseus said to me, well, if that's true, then how does that one cell know to become a brain cell and a kidney cell? <clears throat> I couldn't answer him because I don't know. He says it isn't possible. Our solar system has been engineered, built and engineered. Okay. The whole solar system. Well, I mean, you know, he he's he's the whole new agey kind of guy. Like right. the Earth is our home, and we contain. Right. He says crazy stuff like you know the, the humans are an, an amalgamation of twenty two different alien species, and that's why we're special, and and right. we're infused with spirit, and that's why the reptilians hate us because they don't have spirit, and it's very, yeah. very sounds legit. Um, well, here, this is an interesting thing. Okay. Here's a, here's an interesting thing that I ran across, which is the hollow moon, uh, slash spaceship moon. They kind of tie together a little bit yeah. because what happened is, you know, when, when NASA allegedly went to the moon, they did a lot of seismic tests on the moon to try right. to figure out what, what was going on underneath. And one of the most notable experiments that they did, you know, they set up their super sensitive seismic equipment up there. And w- an interesting thing is uh, they crashed, I think it was a, a booster or some, some large, large piece of equipment. They crashed it into the moon's surface. And then they looked at their seismographs to see what was going on. And, what was astonishing was what they found was that the moon rang like a bell and resonated and went on for hours, you know. Right, uh, like a giant a, gong. Like a giant gong. It was, it was it, every indication uh, given by that seismic experiment was that it was hollow. The language that they used was very much... Uh, gave the impression that it was more of like a metally hollow gong sound, like like it was there was a metal hull like miles below the surface. But I mean, there's speculation also. I, I mean, the fact that the moon would be hollow at all, in, in any sense, is fascinating to me. Just on, just on so many levels because. That would mean that there was volcanic activity if it was indeed more of a organic situation. And that would mean that there's huge caverns and caves that could be occupied in the moon, which is great news for colonization if it has not already been colonized by the Nazis. And indeed, we end up colonizing it by 2030. Um, I mean, that would be a good place to hang. Right, that would be good news for that. But to tie in with Mr. Alex Collier and his his uh, communication with the race of aliens from Andromeda, I mean, it's it's very possible that, you know, the moon could, I say very possible, but you know what I mean, um, could be like a Death Star type thing. Right, you know, right. Yeah, I mean... It's just a giant circular uh, satellite around Earth that 
is there for whatever reason, you know, bringing yeah. reptilians back and forth. <laughs> well, that's that was that's that's his theory, is, or you know, his his story, I guess you could call it, is that right. the you know the reptilians came to colonize Earth, and the moon was the spaceship that brought it here. You know, right. Obviously, there's other people that have sort of latched onto this sort of thinking. David Icke being one of them, you know, he's a pretty big New Age voice. You know, I I really, it, it kind of, I guess not bothers, but I, I just get, it, it gets old, you know, listening to some of these guys and you right. know, just listening to some of his interviews and stuff, you know, for this episode, I'm listening to David Icke talk about like, you know, I sat down to write about the moon and I had this feeling of energy. You can tell the energy in the room <laughs> changes and when you're about to be downloaded information. And I just asked the spirits to tell me about the moon. And the one thing I got was the moon is not real, you know. So it's like, all right. Right. Or you just heard about it somewhere else. So, so of course, you know, or you're just a crazy person <laughs> or you're a reptilian yourself. And, yeah. uh, okay. So he, he goes, you know, he talks about how he goes on Google and looks up, you know, the moon thing and he runs into a book called who built the moon by Christopher Knight and Alan Butler. And I guess in the book, and I haven't read the book, but I guess in the book, he, they point out a bunch of facts. They claim to be facts that can only draw you to one conclusion which is the moon is hollow number one and that number two it's some sort of outpost or or some sort of artificial space station right so and you know one of the things that they use for their argument is that the moon during an eclipse completely covers the sun perfectly right and of course, you know, they make fun of the science, scientific explanation of like, oh, it's the greatest coincidence in all of the universe, you know, that the moon right. perfectly fits around the sun. And of course, as Christians were like, eh, you know, maybe God sort of did it like that. But these guys, these, uh, you know, David Icke types, they're like, oh yeah, it's because it's a spaceship. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. funny. It's just funny how there's we can look at the same thing. It's a perfect example of same data, different, different conclusion, I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, I have my own theories about why the moon is the perfect size and the perfect distance from the earth so that it covers the sun and the solar eclipse, but it has much, much more to do with, uh, unicorns and bad people. And so I just sort of keep it to myself, but I know. Right, right. It's a possibility. Right. Well, I mean, even evolutionists and actually Isaac Asimov, who's, you know, the author of like iRobot and stuff. Right. He's talked about how the moon, it's, you know, the moon is responsible for human evolution, you know, because right, without right. the moon, the, the, you know, first living organisms wouldn't have come to the shore and all this stuff. So. Right. Well, it was the moon who brought the tides right, up, right, up right. to the shore. And when the tides receded, the living organisms were left on land to fend for themselves. And that's how slowly the evolutionary process happened. Right. Um, yeah, he, um, he, yeah. goes, he goes even further to say like, the Babylonians or the, the ancient Sumerians, they noticed the patterns of the moon and, and that's how we were able to create calendars. And so, you know, right. It, well, the, there is an interesting thing about the moon. 
I mean, just regarding the cycles of the moon, and it really has sort of worked its way into humanity in some very interesting ways. I mean, there are cycles of the human body that do tend to start to correspond with the moon. Right. And they're just the moon itself working on a an, an almost perfect cycle of 29-day cycle, um, you know, every month and and throughout the year. And, uh, you know, it, there's something to be said about that. Yeah. Uh, and I think that it's, you know, it, it's, it comes to question where, you know, some people could say, you know, like Isaac Asimov, that the evolution of human culture and the human biology is very much surrounded by the moon. Or, you know, it could very well have been an, a very elaborate plan by somebody who knew what they were doing when they were creating the universe. Right. Yeah, I guess the, the nuances, I guess, is if you're going to attribute it to a theistic god, basically, or if it's just aliens. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Which is kind of, you know, and it's kind of funny because a lot of these guys, like Alex Collier, you listen to them talk and they they attribute all this stuff back to aliens and, and whatnot. But, it, you know, if, 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 just if, okay, let's say that it was aliens, right? That some smart alien race brought the moon to the earth and, you know, whatever, like all that stuff is true. I mean, I don't think it's true, but let's give him that. It actually has no bearing whatsoever on the existence of God. Here's a question for you, Gons. Okay. Now we, we've done, we've talked a lot about aliens. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Um, and on the show, you know, we talk about aliens a lot. And yeah, obviously a lot of our listeners are like, but Basil, Gons, there are no aliens. They're just, it's the great deception, man. That's what they're, I can hear them yell. I, I, I can hear them yelling through their computers back through time when we're <laughs> recording this. And so, I mean, how would you think that, but let's just say that aliens created the moon and they put it there and that's why they're there. And knowing that aliens are who we know they are or suspect highly, I mean, how would you think that that would fit into, for instance, the Great Deception? Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's different layers i guess of opinions that i that i just listening to you say that because you know there is a way to and i don't want to get too nitty-gritty into it but as we sort of touched on in the mars episode there is kind of a biblical angle that you can take to you know an older universe and and uh you know potential pre- sort of civilization before humanity, like a pre-Adamic race kind of thing going on. So, I right. mean, I, I, mean I, I don't know. You can go that way. I, it's not, the evidence isn't that strong biblically, but right. there's a possibility that, that, you know, there are some sort of beings that lived before us. And not to say, and again, it doesn't mean that they were biological creatures that evolved from goo, you know? It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be that. It can literally just be, um, because we know for, I mean, there's, I'm, pretty certain that there were intelligent entities that existed prior to humanity. I mean, you can read that in Job where, you know, the morning stars and the sons of right. God saying, you know, for joy when God created the earth and stuff. So we know that there are some sort of intelligent entities there. 
Now, were they physical, biological beings, or were they more just ethereal, or were they both, or were they, you know, because you start getting into a lot of some of the speculative places where we sort of touched on with uh, Jim Wilhelmson when we talked to him, right? Because he he was bringing up the, the topic of time travel and stuff and how we can't necessarily think in our three-dimensional finite construct all the time. And when it comes to God and when it comes to the Bible and it comes to supernaturalism, you have to you have to stretch your mind a little bit and it doesn't always fit into the box as we would like it to from a naturalist point of view or a materialist point of view and right. so i i think with each individual they have to come to their own conclusions but but realize and i i've started to do this a lot is like recognize your box and think okay am i saying that it doesn't fit here because of a legitimate reason or is it because I'm actually holding on to some sort of naturalistic box? For example, you know, it doesn't fit the evolutionary pattern or, or, you know, Oh, there was a race before humans. That means evolution's true. I mean, there's all sorts of little nuances and caveats that your own thoughts can be trapped in, you know? So I'm going on a rant, but uh, you know what I mean? Like it's hard to say, but I I totally went off topic. What was your question? Something about no, aliens. I mean, no, I, you, 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 you didn't go that much off topic. It was it was regarding, you know. I mean, we've just talked a lot about aliens uh, creating and um, inhabiting the moon, and uh, oh, right, you know, right. yeah, r- relating that to the Great Deception. And well, and I will say that the aliens creating the moon is not biblically consistent because on no. the fourth day, God made great two lights, right. the greater. Light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. So, um, so yeah. So yeah, right there, you got it. It's it's funny because uh, you know, hearing you say that, there's a part of me that's like, oh, it wasn't made by aliens, you know. It, <laughs> it's it's not a space station outpost, you know. <laughs> like, there's a part of me that wants it to be true. You know? Right. Well, I mean, and here's here's something is. You know, the, for instance, with the seismic experiment by NASA where the thing rang like a gong. Right. Um, Which you know what that means, right? Uh, I have a feeling you're about to tell me. Yeah, it means the Asians are on the moon. <laughs> Gosh. We're the ones that went up there and we, uh, those, uh, you know, those Buddhists, they, uh, yeah. they, they wanted to make the biggest meditation. Okay, go on. That was so good. That was a good one. Um, okay. So, uh, well, okay. So we suspect that the thing is hollow. And it very well could be if God created it that way. And a lot of things have lived in caves. Yeah. We humans once lived in caves. So there's a possibility that for some reason, someone out there made it to the moon is like, hey, this thing is hollow. We can live in here. I don't know why, for some reason, aliens sound like whiny, (laughs) whiny children. (laughs) Guys! Okay, we need to move on. Okay. But that that is a good point. That is a good point. And, and if God made it, then yes, he he could have made it hollow. And you know, if if we came up with the technology, or the Nazis, or whoever uh, got up there, then or you know, even some angelic beings that took form and didn't, you know, what if they didn't decide to come down on Mount Hermon, right, during oh, the, the Genesis six, and they're like, we're just gonna 
we're just going to kick it on the moon over here on the dark side, you know, and right. uh, build spaceships. So, you know, who knows? Who knows? It wouldn't be the worst idea. <laughs> okay, uh, let's move on. Uh, well, one last thing, just real quick before we move on to the next thing here. Uh, Alex Collier, okay. the, the guy I mentioned, there are people calling him a complete hoax. And so there what? you go. That's no way. <laughs> no way are people calling him out for the guy who is in contact with Andromedan cosmonauts. You know what's funny saying too? That the moon is a spaceship to shuttle reptilians to Earth. I can't imagine the type of human being who would call him out. The the guy I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy who actually called him out, you know, he's his accusations are really like you mean you don't have any pictures? Like, or you know, like they're just ridiculous. Like, like, what do you mean? Like, you you don't have any you don't have any evidence. Like, why don't you have a piece of clothing from from the alien? You know, or or something. So I, I mean, mean, something is better than nothing. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, why don't any of these? Why don't they like? I don't know. Never mind. It's not even worth. <laughs> well, I will. I will say this. I will say this. Ellie Marzuli, who who does the Watchers DVDs, um, yeah. he actually, you know, him and um, Doctor Roger Lear, they've sat there and pulled out what seemed to be like implants. And according to LA, um, when they looked at it under a what are they called? Those microscopes, the super super duper microscope, electron, yeah, microscope. electron microscope. They saw that they were made out of nanotubes. So, uh, you know, I mean, maybe there's something there, but anyway, that, I mean, I'm, I'm just, you know, the reason why I said that is because there is some form of physical evidence, allegedly, you know, we don't know if this fits alien or what, you know, maybe it's just high level government stuff. But anyway, I, I just wanted to mention that. Before you're talking we about um, from alien abductions. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys right. that claim to have been abducted by aliens and then they find themselves with a, an implant and the, you know, right. they ask the doctor, uh, you know, usually Dr. Lear to pull it out and there it is. It's a little nano thing and it's got a jelly thing around it so you can't slice it with it. I mean, it's just all sorts of weird, crazy stuff that LA's getting into. Right. He's way ahead Good of us. Him. He's hunting Good that for him. Yeah. I was actually um, aware of his location as he was searching for giants recently. Yeah, I know. I, I actually, you know, told him I want to go hunting for giants with him, but he said, yeah. he, he says, says no. no. I have to do this alone. <laughs> this is my cross to bear. You know what we should do, though, uh, Basil? Because allegedly uh, there are some records of Nephilim on Catalina Island right off the coast here. We should take a trip out there and see what we can find. Okay, sure. Let's go. Yeah. I love how much we use the word allegedly. Allegedly. In this episode. <laughs> allegedly. We could be lawyers. <laughs> Excuse me, you mean my alleged client <laughs> and his alleged crimes? Just to mention, we're not going to be able to touch on everything. I'm sure there's people out there, you guys are listening, oh, what about the moon thing about this? And we're not going to talk about it. And so, right. sorry. You guys, you guys are smart. You guys get it. Yeah. You guys understand that we hardly know what we're talking about anyway, so there you go. The moon landing. A hoax? You understand that I go to the moon regularly. (laughs) 
Um, or let's uh, let's talk about this because um, you know we can't we can't really do a moon episode without talking about the conspiracy or potential alleged conspiracy. Right, the alleged moon landing. The alleged moon landing. Right, and and we save this one for last because it's ah, this is why the moon is such a difficult topic. Because yeah, it is. We just talked for so long about. All the crazy stuff they found on the moon, the aliens, the robot people, the unicorns, everything, the the gongy hollowness of the moon, the Nazi bases, everything. And now we have to sit here and tell you that there's also this other conspiracy that's probably the most popular one and all of you are just waiting to hear about it um, which is the moon landing hoax yeah by the United States government and you know we're not we're really not going to spend a whole lot of time on this just because there's so much already about it you, if you're really really interested on in getting all the dirty details of of why the moon landing the american moon landing could have been a hoax just go on youtube there are literally hundreds of videos yeah of very very well put together videos that you can watch and and yeah so we're, we're touching this one last because if this was a hoax like ninety percent of what we've already said is like, is I mean it already <laughs> it just completely nothing. yeah. But I mean it's still I mean anyways, it becomes even guys, more nothing than nothing. You get you get the point. Okay, so the moon landing hoax. <sighs> uh, well, there's a there's an interesting video. It's one of my preferred videos about the moon landing hoax. It's a film by Bart Sabrell done in 2001 called a funny thing happened on the way to the moon and yeah we'll, we'll put the youtube thing because it's it's worth it's worth a yeah it's about 40 it's minutes long or something and right it's not too long it's nice but it, it's very very well thought out very very well put out and and it really does um involve uh, just a lot of the the main points that are made about yeah. the moon landing you know he's got the the photographs. This is one of the biggest ones that layman people such as us can really investigate, you know, on our own, which is the photographs on the moon. And there's a lot of reasons why the photographs of the moon landing are a suspect. And one of them is the, the shadows. The shadows of the photographs on the moon are very inconsistent with what you would expect from being on the moon right. with, you know, your light source being the sun. Right, right. You've got shadows going in, in, in opposite directions. You've got all sorts of funky stuff like that. Right, and some people have said that it's more akin to a movie set than, you know, what would you, right. you would expect from being on the moon. Right, where, where you would have sources of light set up if they were on a sound stage, you'd have multiple lights. There's spots where um, you have what are called hot spots, which is, you know, in the movie biz, it, you try to avoid. But it's, it's where the lights are a little bit more intense. It's kind of like if you have a flashlight and you shine a flashlight and the center of your flashlight is brighter right. than sort of the outer rim. There's anomalies like that going on. There's um, dissecting the photographs 
of the moon landing another has one, really become a huge thing. Yeah, another one that I you know often hear about, and I think they uh, the film brought it up as well, was the landing area where right. the, the lunar lander landed. It's like there's no debris anywhere. There's no... Um, right. you know, nothing to indicate that it actually came down, you know, with the thrusters right. have, on or anything. It's just right. kind of there. A, you have a spaceship coming <laughs> from space, landing on the moon with thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of thrust being shot out at molten temperatures from a jet or from a, from a rocket on the bottom of your, of your landing device. And, there's no mark on the ground like there's no moon dust moved around there's no like big hole in the ground like they expected there would be there's no blackening of the surface even though like like unimaginable heat and fire had just (laughs) been like blasting down point blank you know stuff like that yeah yeah there's no like dust that had billowed up and like collected on the surrounding stuff you know just stuff that you you don't really think about until you really think about the process of which the violent scientific process it takes to like safely land a 18 wheeler on the moon right yeah that that's an exaggeration, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, seventeen wheeler. Uh, another one that I thought was interesting was the fact that, um, and this is brought up again in the film. You should just watch the film, but maybe you don't have to after we talk about it. But this is something that I didn't actually know about until I saw the film. But um, in the film, a funny thing happened on the way to the moon. They bring up this idea of the Van Allen belt, which is the uh, the, the right. radiation belt that's around the Earth, and how ridiculously difficult it would be to pass through that and um right. and how you know seemingly these well, how dangerous it would be oh yeah dangerous and difficult i mean you know well i guess you can get through it but the, the i guess the argument was that based on the gear and the equipment and the substance that the spacecrafts were made out of they shouldn't have they're not akin to protecting uh biological organisms such as a human being from right. being completely blasted with radiation so uh, right. that's a good point you know i never actually even thought about that but it, you know that's that's a good argument it's like huh that, that that is something that to consider that you know who knows right well a lot of people aren't familiar with the van allen belt yeah the van allen belt for those of for those of you who don't know the earth has uh, a few a, a few layers i believe yeah. of very very intense radiation just surrounding it just as just a complete just sphere of radiation and when i i mean it's like it's very very severe and in order to protect yourself from that kind of radiation you would need just a a large large amount of lead between you and the source right and and that's sort of the argument is first of all that the rockets didn't have that lead plating and could not have had it because it's just would have been too much. It would have weighed too much to get it off the ground and right. Yeah. It just wouldn't have worked out. So there's that. And then on, but on top of that, there is an inch, the interesting problem of the fact that we now know for a fact that the astronauts faked 
some footage. Yeah, not that's... necessarily on the moon, but while they were in space, which there's no argument that the astronauts made it to space. Nobody's yeah. saying they didn't do that. And you watch the film, you know, there's plenty. There's somebody will explain the whole thing to you if you look into it. But anyways, the footage exists that the astronauts purposely were faking certain shots from the rocket. They were faking shots to make it look like they were farther away from the Earth in transit toward the moon. So they... They were shooting the earth out the window, you know, like day one, here we are, here's the earth, day one. And then day two, here we are, we're a little bit further away from the earth. And then they faked a shot where they were supposedly much, much further from the earth and the earth is supposed to look small out of this window. And this exists. You can, you can watch this. And yeah. It's, it's very real. It's very viable that... It's a little complicated to to explain over the radio, but let me try. Basically, okay, you go. <laughs> you you go. You try to explain. Give it to us. Okay, so basically, the image that in question here is the image of the Earth, you know, from outer space. It's a pretty from popular far away. from far away, and it's a pretty popular image. You've probably seen it. It's kind of an iconic image of the Earth, like oh wow, it's so majestic type thing. But what they did was they used a window a circular window to film uh, the earth. And what they did was on a day that they were allegedly further or supposed to be further away, they basically darkened the room all except the earth that's sitting in the, the window there to make it look like they were further away from the moon. Yeah, and then like they mess smaller. up. Yeah. And they mess up and they like, you know, there's, there's video footage of them like, okay, here we go. And, <laughs> Got like, right. Well, it was hilarious. I was watching the thing, and I'm like, ah, oh, there it is. There's the earth from far away. It's so beautiful. And then they turn on the lights yeah. <laughs> in the room, in right, the spaceship, right, yeah. and you can see, like, what the heck? Like, you're all the way on the other side of the room, and the earth that you're looking at is just a window yeah. that is completely filled with the earth, and turns out that they were actually very close to the earth. And that they used that shot as like a, here we are, look how far away we are. So we know that they were not above faking shots. And this ties in with the Van Allen radiation belt because supposedly they were taking, faking this shot to prove. Before, right, before they were in the Van, Van Allen belt, they were faking this shot to make it look like they were deep into the Van Allen belt or even past it, which right. they were not. Yeah, yeah. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, and, and this whole thing, go watch the film. It is very interesting. Um, uh, Bart Cybrell, we, we asked him to come on and we, we just couldn't figure out a, a timing to, for him to, to come on. He claims to be a Christian and it looks like he is. And uh, so that's, that's cool. But here's another interesting thing that happened uh, to Bart. So what's going on basically here is Bart is walking around with Buzz Aldrin. What's your name? Bart. Bart Sibrel. Would you uh, give your name to my uh, sister? Yeah, I got one for you, one for your lawyer to sue me. I hope you do. I'd love to go to court and show the window shot. I know you'd like to get a lot of attention, wouldn't you? Well, you're the one getting money for something you didn't do. You're getting a lecture 
for walking on the moon when you didn't... Well, and he starts to say some pretty, pretty aggravating things. Bart Sibrell is holding out a Bible. Do you think you can get to heaven without repenting? Why don't you swear on the Bible that you walked on the moon? Please. So now Buzz is... Um, He's, he's getting a little bit irritated. He's a little bit nasty. This, this woman that he's with that, uh, is trying to get him away. And there's, there's a bellman who's trying to tell uh, Bart to get away. You know, he's being a little bit too harsh. Sir, I, don't, I have nothing to do with this. But okay. you cannot solicit on this property. We just paid to rent out the penthouse to shoot up there. So. The cameraman gets a little sketched out right now. And Bart's trying to tell him to keep shooting, keep shooting. Yeah. You got to keep shooting, man. Okay. There comes a point when Bart Cybrell calls Buzz Aldrin a coward and a liar. You're a coward and a liar. And Buzz Aldrin has got a gift. A gift for your face. Moonfist. Just punches him right in the face. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> boom. It is so incredible to watch. And the impact is pretty serious. And this look on Buzz Aldrin's face is just like a man with just cold <laughs> blood running through his heart. And, and, the, and like the lady who's with Buzz is like, oh, okay. And just like bails. <laughs> and there's... It's incredible. And he, I mean, I was, I mean, uh, to be punched in the face that hard by Buzz Aldrin is kind of epic, though. It is kind of epic. And I mean, I would, I would never, ever say the things to him that Bart Cybrell said to him. Yeah. So, I mean, Buzz probably would never feel the need to punch me in the face. But if he did, I would not regret it. Now, do you think, do you think Buzz, the, the punch was more of a, Hey, dude, you're really annoying me right now. Or do you think it was like, well, Buzz Aldrin's—he's a—he's an old-fashioned guy, you know. He's from a different generation. Yeah, he's true. from that generation where you just don't do that. And and Bart called him what he, a, a liar and a coward. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. There's not much worse a thing you could call somebody to their face in this. Right, especially somebody older and respected and, and that kind of thing, yeah. Right, right. I mean, to, and, and just the way he did it. I mean, I mean, dare I say, maybe uh, violence is never the answer. I wouldn't say he deserved it, but he was certainly asking for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he's <laughs> just, I'm just watching it again. <laughs> right in the kisser. Oh my gosh, it's so intense. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that one hurt for a few days afterwards. Right, but I mean, he's probably like just. I don't care how much it hurt. It Buzz Aldrin punches me in the face. I'm just like in a in a stupor for a few days. Of just how <laughs> awesome I would feel. That's like the situation where you would get like superhero powers. It's kind of like getting bitten by a radioactive spider. If Buzz with his moon fist punches you in the face, you like turn into like something awesome. Moon fist. <laughs> moon fist punch. That's good. We're uh Buzz. I mean, Buzz Aldrin is pretty a uh, superhero type name there, but right. Yeah. So that happened. Um, that and, happened. you know, and I will say that, you know, even on coast to coast, uh, with George Norrie and Richard Hoagland, you know, their buddy buddy. 
uh, they even mentioned like, oh, you know, oh, Bart Cybrell, you know, he's not going to ever get it, you know, because <laughs> they're talking about, you know, glass structure on the moon and stuff like that. Right. And, right, and right. Hoagland, Hoagland actually came out and said that NASA was the one that started this whole, we never went to the moon hoax thing. Uh-huh. This whole theory, it was started by NASA. And right. that's that's his position on it because you know of course Hoagland's been there and you know he's seen the lies upon the lies and the layers of deception in this uh, government agency called NASA. So he believes right. that they're the ones that started it. And you know, and I mean to be honest, if you're trying to think rationally about conspiracies, I mean you have to be open to that possibility. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, I mean, if they found something that they don't want us to know about, they certainly could have put out all this stuff. Who who better to create a hyper-realistic, believable hoax version of the truth than NASA? You know, you know what? I think I figured it out. Here's here's my position on this thing. Okay, oh boy. All right, <laughs> Gons has figured it out. Everybody. Here's my theory, all right? And this is a uh, this is this theory has no weight, but it's a theory of mine. <laughs> this means nothing. <laughs> this means nothing. Here's what happened. All right, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. what happened was they actually did go to the moon, okay? But they didn't get there via spaceship. They took the jump room, okay? They don't want people to know about the jump room. So they had to fake all this footage of going there and landing and you know the whole we're going through the van allen belt and all that stuff they had to to stage that because really they were just teleporting to to the moon there you have it folks (laughs) truth behind it all they teleported to the moon and, well, I mean, it totally makes sense. It answers all my questions. <laughs> I've just solved everything for you. It doesn't bring up any other questions in response at all. Oh, yeah. gosh. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. I guess that's the end. <laughs> we figured the it end out. Of this episode. Um, well, I mean, we did want to uh, touch on the Bible a little bit in the moon. Yeah, I guess we should talk about a little bit more than just nonsense (laughs) now that we've gone through an hour and a half of nonsense here's some stuff that might matter Houston we've got the moon in the bible this is Houston here it go the moon it's used quite a bit in the bible and obviously you know the the talk of a, a new moon especially in the old testament concerning the Jewish calendar it's in there a lot and you know, Basil, I will, I will say I purposely did not want to talk about the whole red moon and the rapture and the, you know, that whole thing. I just right. well, didn't want to talk about it. Here's the thing, real quick. I, I would like to mention this, though, which is that the moon is red fairly often. Yeah. I mean, I remember I was, I was, I don't remember how old I was. I was 16 or 17, and it was like one of those weird, like really red moons. And I was like, this is it. This is the rapture. I remember it very clearly. I was in my car driving and I saw the moon was like blood red. And I, I didn't really like, I don't know. I wasn't like really up on my like the end times prophecy stuff, but I knew that verse, like I knew that the blood red moon had something to do with the, like the end times. Right. And I saw it and I'm like, 
the oh my this is it this and i'm driving in my car and like my heart rate started going up and i like got like like a little flush like i was definitely having a physical reaction to like why am i still here i'm still here it's the blood red moon and i'm still here and i didn't get (laughs) start repenting and i mean it it might have been a good thing you know it it was a serious situation so maybe maybe god was just like psych sucker <laughs> um no but uh, mark biltz <laughs> he might uh but uh, mark biltz is is sort of the you know the the big name that's been talking about this and you know uh, we'll reference chris white and his short i guess not a debunking it's more of a, a, a opposing view or or just some injecting some logic and some rationale into some of his claims and i know i know that Mark Bill, I'm not saying Mark Bill's theory is wrong or, you know, some of these other guys like uh, I know that the, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the whole 2015 or 2016 moon thing and the cycles and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm not saying they're wrong, but uh, there are some uh, there is some sensationalization that's happening with some of this. Activity. This is a theory. If you haven't heard about it, it's been around for a few years, proposed by a guy named Mark Biltz of El Shaddai Ministries. And he proposes that something significant in Bible prophecy will happen around April 15th of 2015 or somewhere around there uh, on Passover. Uh, He proposes this because of the passages in Scripture which talk about a sun, moon, and star sign. We find this in several uh, places in Scripture. So Basically, Mark Bilt says, okay, if we've got a blood-red moon, that must be referring to an eclipse. And if you've got a sun as dark as sackcloth, that must be referring to a solar eclipse. That's his first assumption that's not necessarily clear. But let's see what he does. He goes to the NASA website, and at NASA you can determine when all the future solar and lunar eclipses will occur. And he finds a string of solar and lunar eclipses around April of 2015, which fall on Jewish holidays. That's interesting uh, in itself, but it's really not the meat of his theory. The meat of his theory is that this idea of of solar eclipses and lunar eclipses following falling on Jewish holidays, this same pattern has occurred in on six occasions in the past since we have been recording lunar eclipses and this kind of thing. And he says that on three um, of those occasions, in fact, when I heard this first, I I didn't know that there were six. I only thought that there were three, but apparently there are two more, except nothing significant happened on those two. So he doesn't mention them very often. But anyway, this occurred on six occasions. Three of those occasions, something significant was happening uh, with Israel. So, for example, it happened in 1492, and he says that was the final year of the Spanish Inquisition. It also happened in 1948, which he says the statehood for Israel and the War of Independence was going on, and in 1967, which the Six-Day War uh, was going on. So there were significant events in Jewish history going on around that same time. Anyway, the implication that Biltz originally had for this was that it was going to be the Armageddon judgment. Okay, So like most pre-tribulationalists, he kind of splits the return of Christ into two comings, one at uh, at the rapture before the seven years, and then one at Armageddon for, for judgment. And in his view, he, he says that this event in 2015 was supposed to be the thing at the end, at Armageddon. Now, this was proposed well before 
2008, which if you you know subtract seven years from 2015, 2008 is when the beginning of the seven years would have then had to happen. So my understanding of this, and I could be wrong about this, is that now since 2008 has come and gone, uh, he no longer is dogmatic about that this being you know Armageddon or anything. He's just saying that you know he's putting it out there for information, and you know something significant is going to happen. But the view in in pop culture about this is that this is when the rapture is going to happen and he does as alan kirshner has uh pointed out in his videos and things like that is seems to be encouraging this belief that it's a reference to the rapture and so a lot of people do uh believe that his theory has to do with the rapture whether or not he does or not i I really don't know at this point a few other reasons that this can't be talking about the rapture or i might even say it a little bit bolder a few other reasons that what he is talking about with the lunar eclipses and the solar eclipses cannot be the same thing as what the Bible is talking about in Matthew 24 or Revelation 6 or Isaiah 34 or uh, Joel 2. The sun, moon, and star sign event in Scripture, how that can't be fulfilled by a lunar or solar eclipse. Let's talk about that. First of all, I think it's important to recognize that he's leaving out two things that are almost always included. Sometimes the other two things are the only things mentioned or they're or put a primary position in the sun, moon, and star sign event. It's not just a sign that happens in the sun and the moon becoming dark. It's also the stars and an earthquake. Again, we have him just mentioning a, a solar eclipse and a lunar eclipse, which don't happen on the same day by any stretch of the imagination. If you look at the dates, they're they are very, you know, spread out as to when the lunar eclipse is happening and when the solar eclipse is happening, which are not even a, you know visible to most of the Earth, including Israel at the time. In some cases, in most cases, the issue I'm trying to get here is that first of all, you can't, and this was brought up by Charles Cooper in his video about this as well, is that you can't have a first of all, you can't have a, a solar eclipse and a lunar eclipse at the same time because that's physically impossible because you, in order to have a solar eclipse you know you have to have the moon in front of the sun and in order to have a lunar eclipse you need to have the sun in front of the moon and obviously that's not going to happen at the same time across the world but the idea of the stars also being uh, darkened at this time gives us an idea that there is something obscuring the light totally now you can visualize this as some sort of you know, nuclear winter idea or whatever sort of thing you want to talk about that could cause all of the sky, not just the sun and the moon in an eclipse situation, which would not even happen at the same time, which is a problem, uh, which this the text seems to suggest clearly that this is all happening at the same time. But it also needs to obscure the stars, which, of course, a lunar or solar eclipse has nothing to do with. Um, so you can see this as either, like I said, some kind of uh, debris in the air, or you can see it as a supernatural occurrence. Um, the earthquake and the shaking that's associated with it could also have something to do with it as well. Again, I, I lean towards a supernatural event here. And the reason I do is because it seems, though, contrary to what a lot of people believe happens uh, around the day of the Lord, is that it seems that people are quite aware that what is going to happen here is God's judgment is about to begin. That's the reason that these verses are presented in Scripture, because they all follow 
than uh, judgment. That's also why the rapture is associated with it, because we as Christians are not going to be in that judgment period that the earth goes through. So the sun, moon, and star sign event is, is saying that the judgment is imminent, and it's also where we see the rapture. That's why Jesus uh, concluded his, his answer to the question about when is the rapture going to be uh, by it's going to be at this point, because we're going to be raptured right before the day of the Lord begins. The point is, is that whatever the Bible is talking about also includes an earthquake and the stars going uh, dim, as well as the sun and moon going dark at the same time. None of that makes sense with Mark Biltz's theory. Okay, so this isn't talking about the rapture, period, or the impending judgment, or anything else that the Bible is talking about. The only thing left on the table for Mark Biltz's theory is, could this be something completely not biblical, something other than biblical that might be some kind of suggestion of something interesting happening with Israel at that time? Okay, that the only thing left on the table is maybe because of the other times that this specific thing has happened, that maybe something interesting with Israel will happen at this time. And if that's true, we don't have any biblical, you know, leg to stand on here, so we could speculate about whether it will be or not. But there are a few things that are worth noting about even that idea. The first thing that I will mention is the idea that was proposed in a paper written by Answers in Genesis about this. Their main point is simply that this isn't that rare or exciting. That is to say that lunar eclipses occurring on Passover and Sukkot are not that big a deal when you consider that the Jewish feast system and the Jewish calendar is based on the lunar cycle and that solar or excuse me lunar eclipses happen on a full moon and the the dates are spaced accordingly, you know, as far as in how the, the calendar is corrected due to lunar cycles and all this stuff. It's not at all that big a deal to see lunar eclipses happening on Jewish holidays. In fact, they, on that article, have a graph of 37 such eclipses happening in the 1900s alone on Jewish holidays. So, so a big part of the weight of this theory comes from not understanding or considering that. And so when you hear that four lunar eclipses occur in and around Jewish holidays, you're like, that must be impossible. But really, it's not if your calendar is based on the moon and it cycles and lunar eclipses happen in full moons. So so basically, no, it's not that big a deal. But my main point would be about the time wave zero nature of this whole thing. The, remember how the whole point of his, artic- of his, his theory essentially is that this tetrad has occurred um, six other times, or is it seven other times in history? And on three of those occasions, something significant was happening with the Jewish people. It's, it's that looking at the things in history, you've got these fixed points in history, and you need to find some connection in that point. So you look in the history books, well, what was going on at that point? I've got to find something. And he found what seems to be these... Um, these you know, matches. But, and I'm referring to, in Time Wave Zero, I'm referring to Terrence McKenna's so-called revolutionary computer program that predicted the end of the world in 2012, and we all know how that went. And if you know about that, you'll understand what I'm about to talk about and how he chose these matches and why they really 
are not that good of matches in the first place, which the whole thing is based on. So, for example, he says that this tetrad occurred around the Spanish Inquisition. Okay, now the Spanish Inquisition is a pretty broad time, okay? It, it really occurs, he's referring in, in 1492 to this royal uh, edict that made Jewish people either convert to Christianity or leave Spain, which happened in, like, in, in, in 1492. Now, one of the problems with that is that the, the tetrads didn't occur until April 2nd, 1943, and, and for, for the Passover date, and March 22nd, 19, for, or excuse me, 1493, and March 22nd, 1494, with the other set. So it's more than a year later is when the actual moon eclipses happen. So you've got the Inquisition starting and going on for a year plus, and then all of a sudden you've got this stuff. So even that's really not you have to kind of say it, oh, well, it's the general time of the Spanish Inquisition that these things were having to do with. And if, and that also happens in the next one. He says that this tetrad also occurred near the War of Independence in 1948. We all know that's a really significant day in, in Israel's history. But really, it didn't occur, the, the, the tetrad didn't occur to until eight, April 1949, and then again, a year later, April 1950. So they're two years separated, and all of them a year after 1948. So again, it's not really, it like didn't happen on the day they declared independence 1948 by any stretch of the imagination. It's two years after that is the last one, you know, so it's not, you know, he's basically sort of being very loosey-goosey with that. And then the Six-Day War in 1967, that one has a little bit more credibility because it happens in April 24th, 1967, and then in 68, so a year after that. So that's really the only one of these things that even is in the same year. It's not on the particularly important day or anything in the war. It's just, in, at least in 1967, at least got the year right on that one. Well, at least in part of it. The other one happened in 1969. But, again, you've got another three sets of these that admittedly nothing happened you know they kind of say well nothing really in history happened but you know it, some of them had some persecution of the jews happening during during those times but okay so here's some issues that i have with this number one the obvious stuff what about the ones that weren't a match i mean and and, and conversely what about the more important historical events that were bigger and badder you know hitler and the rest of it why why isn't that a match? I mean, why do, why can't we take the bigger and badder ones and don't see any blood moons around that time? Um, so it's kind of the same thing there. But I would even say this. Why are some good and some bad? Okay, so on the lunar eclipses thing, you've got the Spanish Inquisition, clearly a horrible uh, time of persecution for the Jews. But then the other two are like victories, you know, the War of Independence and the Six-Day War. They're just sort of just not not even the right times and just sort of picking and choosing what they're and then of course you've got the big three that aren't even doing anything so this isn't exactly like wow he's really found some significant correlations here uh, about this so I, I think the more I look at this the more I think this is like time wave zero for Christians so so yeah I guess that's all I want to say about this particular theory obviously I do not think anything significant Biblical is going to happen in 2014 and 15. If it does, I don't think it's going to have relation to these blood moons. I mean, it would just be a coincidence. Who knows? I mean, if we're out of here, great. You know, I'm not going to complain. But 
it's one of those things where you start putting dates and you start predicting stuff and and everything. It just becomes just messy. Gets embarrassing. It gets embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to be that guy, you know, like, like the Jehovah's witnesses, but anyway, uh, who their name drop who Jehovah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a that pretty was big just, name drop. That was just kind of one of those basil moments that didn't really mean anything. <laughs> And I'm not picking on the, the Jehovah's Witnesses. It's just, you know, there's been a lot of failed prophecies. So anyway, let's let's get into some of this and then we'll wrap it up. But um, let's see. The first mention of the moon happens in Genesis, which makes sense. Uh, yeah. It actually, you know, when you mentioned earlier how about the lesser light to, to rule the night, it doesn't say moon, you know? I know, so but it doesn't say the sun either. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Maybe it's... Uh, but it does say, and also the stars. Yeah, it does. Uh, but yeah, Genesis 37.9 is where we read about the moon for the first time. And it says, then he dreamed another dream. And I think it's talking about Joseph and, uh, and told it to his brothers and said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And there you go. That's the first use of it. And then, um, you know, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about don't worship the moon warning don't worship the moon you know this is kind of a big one too because not just astrology but when you talk about you know helena blavatsky and a lot of these sort of occult interpretations they all talk about like oh you you christians just don't understand the bible okay i mean this is all about the moon and the sun, and you guys are just worshiping, you know, these celestial bodies. Well, I think an interesting thing is that it's so easy for people to think they need to worship the moon because it's like we've mentioned before, it's so involved in everything that we do and are really. Yeah. And it definitely does. Like you mentioned, it, it, it does sort of affect our rhythm of life, so to speak. So, yeah, I think there is something to say, but at the same time, the Bible is pretty clear not to right. actually worship, you know, the, the sun right. or, or the moon. Uh, Deuteronomy 4.19 talks about it. Um, Deuteronomy 17.3 echoes it. Um, well, it's just fascinating. It says it so many times because it probably was just irresistible to people back then. Yeah, yeah. Jeremiah 8.1 um, I find interesting. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read it. And I think it's eight, one and two. It says at that time declares the Lord, the bones of the Kings of Judah, the bones of its officials, the bones of the priests, the bones of the prophets and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be brought out of their tombs and they shall be spread before the sun and the moon and all the hosts of heaven, which they have loved and served, which they have gone after and which they have sought and worshipped. They shall not be gathered or buried. They shall be as dung on the surface of the ground. So if you worship the sun and the moon and the hosts of heaven, you shall be as dung. And uh, modern day translation for dung is, Basil? Let's continue with God's word, Gons. (laughs) Because I know what you want from me. (sighs) It didn't work. I tried. Let's continue. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
So what's next? Let's move on. There's basically some verses in Psalms that talks about the moon being the handiwork of God. So yeah. again, that sort of you know flies in the face of the whole alien spaceship thing. Right. Unless yes, unless right. God is an alien, which right. I'm yeah. sure those Gnostics no, no. would tell us. Um, right. Here's an interesting one. The moon stopped. Oh, yeah. The moon has stopped. Yeah. That's a good one. Talk about that one. Uh, Joshua 10, 12 through 13, it says, At that time Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. So uh, if God was an alien and the moon was an alien space base, then they could stop it, right? It makes so much sense now. <laughs> I think you just cracked it. No supernatural necessary. You have alien moon base. God's controls. an alien. The moon's alien moon base. And he's talking to Joshua on his reptilian technology communicator and he's like yep we're gonna stop the moon real quick go ahead take the enemy um and then he does mm, there you go but that's actually a pretty cool moment there and uh that is cool i guess there's some extra biblical you know references to that long day you know the extra right. long day which i yeah. find fascinating and we maybe we can talk about that another time but um uh let's Get into the uh, close to the home stretch here. The moon regarding prophecy. And a lot of the moon prophecies has to do with the day of the Lord. And um, actually, Peter Goodgame did a you know really good job with the Red Moon Rapture book. Uh, it's called Red Moon Rising. I'd recommend everybody to check that out. It's a pretty good uh, theory of um, how, when the rapture happens and, and whatnot. You know, it's the whole Red Moon event that he believes is the rapture, which, you know, I partially take, you know, I think I hold that position partially, Mm -hmm. but, uh, let me know if you see a pattern here, Basil. Okay. Okay. Ezekiel 32, seven, it says, when I blot you out, I will cover the heavens and make their stars dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud and the moon shall not give its light. Compare that with Joel 2.10 where it says, The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. Joel 2.31 later it says, The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And then in Matthew 24.29, this is Jesus He says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Acts 2.20 The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day.
and then Revelation 6.12 where it says, When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon became like blood. Do you see a pattern there? (laughs) I see a pattern. It's a very scary pattern. And it sounds like it's going to be hard to see in those times. Yeah, I was talking to Doug Hamp about this a little bit earlier, and he was telling me that the darkening of the sun and the moon and all this mm-hmm. happens when the abyss is opened and the smoke rises out of the abyss. And that's oh, what causes the, the darkening. Which The uh, smoke causes the darkening? Yeah, yeah, because he referenced it to like a volcano. You know, like right. when a volcano goes off and then, you know, the sky gets dark and you can't see the sun or the moon and stuff. And mm-hmm. So, I mean, it could be. That's a, a possibility. The pattern I see is that it all happens right before the day of the Lord. And right. if you uh, hold to the pre-wrath rapture position, then um, the day of the Lord, uh, or right before the day of the Lord is when you're raptured out of here and where... Revelation 6.12 and the sixth seal is when the rapture happens, which actually the red moon rapture actually uh, model that Peter Goodgame talks about also alludes to the sixth seal as the point in time when the rapture occurs. And uh, so what I see is that, you know, when God is about to start judging the world, it's just going to be very scary times. Yeah, sounds like it. And dark. Dark and scary. Dark in just a very physical sense. Like you're not going to be able to see anything. Yeah. And here's what I'm kind of confused about. Maybe you can shed some light. Ooh, shed some light. I can. Um, You know, in a couple of these verses, it talks about the moon shall not give its light. Right. And then there's other verses that say the moon is going to turn to blood or like, you know, red is uh, or be like blood. Do you think it's talking about the same thing? Well, it's an interesting thing because those of us who are familiar with the science of the moon, the moon doesn't actually give light or shed. I mean, it it does shed light, but it doesn't, it doesn't give its own light. Right. Um, And so any, color that the moon turns will have to be some subsequent act that was first committed by the sun or something reflecting onto the moon. Right. You see what I mean? Right. So my question goes from, because if the moon goes dark, that means either it's a lunar eclipse or the sun has disappeared or something like that. Hmm. That's that's if the moon is there in the sky and suddenly it disappears, it's either a, a lunar eclipse, which is a fairly regular celestial occurrence. Right. Or the sun has gone dark. If the moon goes dark, the sun's going to go dark. But if the moon's going red, you know, I mean, when this when the moon goes red nowadays, it's usually some sort of atmospheric thing, right? Where it's red because we have a lot of pollution, or there's like a forest fire nearby, or something like that. 
but if the moon, you know, uh, some sort of celestial thing that the moon can go red, I mean, it's kind of scary to think what would have to be happening in space for the moon to go red. That means that the sun is like exploding or there's maybe a huge red comet flying by it or something like that. Or all you know. the uh, all the unicorns just keel over and right, and just blood, blood just, just spews everywhere. Just, well, that is another thing. I mean, if we really want to get into it, there could be a huge mass killing on the moon, where the all entire those... surface is covered in blood, and then when the sun's light reflects off of the moon, then it's red. And ooh, there's a theory that I bet you no one has ever come up with. Right. I'm the first one to think of mass unicorn death (laughs) on the moon, completely saturating the side of the moon that faces the earth in unicorn blood, which causes an optical illusion. That's a quick way to find yourself on the heresy list. Right. Uh, Yeah, you know. Which, you know. (laughs) Hey, you know what? I'm not going to write a book about it or anything soon. Oh, it doesn't matter. You said it. You said it. I said it. It's there. It's out in the world. It's out in the world. But you know what? I mean, you know, who knows? It could be something like that. I I tend to think that it's more, it's probably more to do with, uh, because the sun uh, is darkened as well, right? It's got to be something that is more like it's blocked out. But here's an interesting thing. In Revelation 8, 12, this is the fourth trumpet. Uh, it says this, the fourth angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of their light might be darkened and a third of the day might be kept from shining and likewise the third of the night. So, I mean, this is, uh, according to most prophecy scholars, this is you know a different point in time from the actual, you know, darkening of the sun and the moon before the day of the Lord. But, right. you know, I mean, Revelation is a complex puzzle. You know, we don't all have it figured out. So, I mean, if there is something to do with those, uh, with Revelation 6.12 and all these other places that talk about the sun being darkened and, and the moon not giving its light, which I, I personally don't think it is. But if it is, then, you know, maybe there's something there where something strikes or, you know, the... Something, something strikes the sun, the moon, and the stars, right? So that a third of right. it doesn't give its light. So that's that's a lot of stuff going on celestially. I mean, it's a lot of stuff. I and mean, we're talking not just uh, it says a third of the stars. Is is that just talking about the angels? You know, a third of the angels? Or are we talking about literal? I don't know. There's a lot of. It, well, see, the stars are a little bit easier, at least in my opinion, to just have completely disappear all at once or at least a third of them or whatever. Cause, and, the, and this is just talking from a very literal sense. Let's talk about some stars. Because the case with stars is when you look up at the star, you're not actually looking at something that's happening right now. Right, right. Um, the stars are so far away, For the, just to refresh some of your memories, um, the stars are so far away that when you look up and you look at a star, you're actually looking at that star billions of years ago theoretically Allegedly. the star yeah theoretically the star is so far away that it takes the light from that star billions of years to get to you so you know you're kind of looking into a time capsule now 
if this if a third of the stars disappeared from the sky or just went dark that means that you know it's i mean it's a definitely a huge event something sketchy is happening you can rest assured but that thing happened a long long time ago right which you know that uh, so i mean and if you kind of put that in the context of whatever i mean it's 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 a sketchy thing nonetheless but um <laughs> I like how you use sketchy <laughs> it's a, well it's like god me, what are you doing and you know it's, it's kind of sketchy <laughs> kinda where sketchy, did those god? stars go that happened a long time ago um Gosh. so yeah i mean that's a little bit easier to to happen without like some super scary occurrence i mean yeah that is kind of interesting maybe uh Maybe before the new heavens and and the new earth are created, uh, you know, God sort of swallows up the rest of the world or something, or the universe, and it just all culminates on the earth, you know? Uh, so, possibilities. Just a couple more verses here. Uh, uh, the moon um, is actually going to be around when God sets up the new Jerusalem. And that's something a lot of people don't really talk about. But uh, Isaiah 24 talks about once the new Jerusalem is set up. And it says, On that day the Lord will punish the host of heaven in heaven and the kings of the earth on the earth. That's another interesting thing in itself because it's like, hmm, who is he punishing? You know, it's just not just the stars. It's like the fallen angels and all the demons and all that stuff. Uh, And then it goes on. They will be gathered together as prisoners in a pit. They will be shut up in a prison, and after many days, they will be punished. Then the moon will be confounded and the sun ashamed, for the Lord of hosts reigns on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and his glory will be before his elders. And, uh, you know, that's really fascinating because, you know, the way I understand this is that basically the sun and the moon, it's going to be around. But it's not going to really matter because God's light is actually going to be like our light, you know, like like our literal physical light, like him sitting on Mount Zion. The sun is going to be like having a flashlight outside in daylight. You know, it's just not going to matter anymore. And, but I think it's fascinating that it says the moon will be confounded, you know? <laughs> like, God's like, oh, okay, all you alien unicorns. I don't know what to do. I'm confounded. <laughs> I don't know why that's the voice for everything now. I don't know, but it's sure it's uh, entertaining somebody out there. Um, We're just annoying. <laughs> stop listening to Actually, <laughs> confounded I just had to look up confounded yeah 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 used for emphasis the moon is used for emphasis he was to express anger or annoyance to express uh, cause surprise or confusion in someone by acting against their expectations that's a complicated word yeah oh they have a little graph here that shows the use over time for confounded. It looks like it was used 
the most during the 1800s and slowly declined to almost nil today. The way the Bible uses it, it's the word in the Hebrew, hapar, and it means to feel dismay, be disgraced, be humiliated. Oh, the moon is so sad. Sad moon. (laughs) Well, if it is an alien spaceship, then God just says, You're sad now, moon. You're nothing. You're just a... You're a disgrace. You're sad. (laughs) So anyway, this, this whole thing echoes Revelation 21, 23, talking about the new city. And Isaiah 60, it also echoes the same thing about... The sun shall be no more, your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. So in the end, moon, sun, you will be nothing compared to the light of God. good thing you know because those unicorns and reptilians they will be ashamed right they will and so will nasa <laughs> sorry would you NASA. consider would you consider nasa people to be like worshiping the moon no i think some of them are just very nice people who have a job to do and like space I'm not, when i say nasa i'm not talking about like the you know, the day-to-day workers. I'm talking about like the mind behind NASA, like the, like the, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like the weird occultists who like use NASA to do spells and, and control mystical powers. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they do. I'm sure somebody does. I mean, worshiping the moon, as the Bible says, is a very tempting thing to do. That's true. I'm sure somebody back there. I mean, I I can't really speculate on that. Or can I? <laughs> we we can speculate on We can speculate on corns, but but Yeah, I was <laughs> No, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? You you have some insight you want to share? Not really. No. I mean, no. uh, you know, I all, all I will say is that you know, the moon is like probably one of the biggest conspiracy topics out there. And, yeah. and the fact that, you know, there's so much stock in, you know, whatever's going on there. And like, you know, the fact that we wanted to go there and, you know, Kennedy was the one that was like, Hey, let's go there. And then Kennedy gets killed. And I mean, there's just like, I think the, whoever's behind it all the whole idea of like the space race and all this stuff i think you know at the root of it is some very dark agenda going on ultimately you know and so we shouldn't worship it but you know what i was looking at the moon like earlier tonight like you know uh-huh. just staring at it you know and like doing you know, research doing research for the show. Yeah, and and we didn't even get into a lot of the, uh, you know, the esoteric side of the moon with like the deities that are associated with the moon and stuff like that. We we didn't even touch that. But that's true. We really didn't. But you know, it's that's 
we can't touch everything. But, um, you know, I was just looking at it and it was just one of those moments of like, man, the moon is so weird. <laughs> like It's just there. And, you know, you can see, even though there's the, the side that's dark, you know, because we don't have a full moon out tonight, but you can still see like the spherical nature you of the moon. You know it's there. You yeah. know it's there. You know, you can see, because like the sun, you can't really see the sun, right? Like, you can't see like how it's a sphere and stuff, you know? But well, the, I mean, you can if you're like totally spiritual. You just stare at the sun <laughs> until I am freed from my pains. But I, I have stared at the sun before. Did you use a lens? No, it wasn't as bad as everybody makes it out to be. Was it during sunset? <laughs> no, well, it was one of those like really, really cloudy days and the sun was right behind a cloud, but like it was the kind where like. You could still you can see still the see sun. it, yeah. But you, yeah. No, but you can see it that, that it's round. But you don't. You can't see the sphere. You know, it's you can't. I mean, you know, it's a sphere, but it's like the moon. Right. You can actually see, like, like it looks you like can't a, see the moon's a sphere though, because it's synchronously attached to us. No, I know, but I'm saying like the part that's darkened. You know, with with the right, you can still see part of it, and you can see like the three dimensions of the moon. So, That's what I'm so saying. saying. The shadows of the moon give you more of a perspective. Yeah, it's like seeing a golf ball, okay. giant golf right. ball in the sky. It is a lot like that. But I mean, you know, I don't know. I was just having that moment of like, man, it's such a weird thing. It is. <laughs> like it is it's so thing. mysterious. I think we all sort of have that moment when we're looking at the moon and we're really looking at it, though, you know? Yeah taking the time to look at it. And if we don't, I mean, you're just a very shallow just person, a very, <laughs> very plain person. I think staring at the moon and just staring at it is like a whole big part of when, you know, you really start to understand how amazing and mysterious this universe we live in really is. Yeah. Yeah. And it That's definitely cool. lets us know how little we know about everything as demonstrated over and over again in this episode right, for us exactly. in particular. Right. Precisely. So there you go, folks. That's the moon. Yeah. And uh, just before we sign out here, we didn't read emails. We didn't play voice messages, but there's plenty of them and we will play them in a future episode. We will. So don't feel like we're just ignoring you. We just thought, Hey, let's, take a break from that and just talk about the topic at hand and that's what we're doing that's what we did so there you have it folks there's some stuff about the moon i know there's a lot more that we could have covered and we really wish we could have but uh it's not as easy as it sounds so if there's more you'd like to know, go ahead and start a conversation about it in the comments or the forum. And let's just all talk about it, man. Let's just, you know, the the moon is kind of like a big elephant in the room. We need to uh, get that out there. There is a lot of um, uh, darker implications to the moon as well that we did not get into with some of the more insidious members of the human race. 
and their intentions. But again, you know, sometimes you just got to let that stuff go. So we hope you guys got at least uh, one or two tidbits of information about the moon that you did not have beforehand. Make sure to tune in again to Canary Cry Radio to learn more about other stuff. Uh, And until then, think outside the cage. The views and opinions expressed by the authors and guests on this program are not necessarily those held by the hosts of Canary Cry Radio or its community. Make sure to visit CanaryCryRadio.com for show notes, episode archives, forums, and more. You can contact us by clicking on the contact tab or emailing us directly at CanaryCryRadio at gmail.com. Please leave us a voice message by clicking the tab on the right side of CanaryCryRadio.com. Make sure to let us know if it's okay to play your message on the air. Make sure to rate us and write a review on iTunes. Give us a thumbs up on Stitcher. If this episode touched your life, your worldview, or your beating little heart in any way, please consider supporting the show financially. You can do so by visiting CanaryCryRadio.com and clicking on the support tab. There, you can sign up for a small monthly donation, or if commitment's not your thing, you can make a one-time donation in any amount. Canary Cry Radio is and will always be free, so your support is what keeps us on the air. Make sure to catch the next episode of Canary Cry Radio, and until then, think outside the cage again. authority of moon fist coming this summer <laughs> coming this summer to a face near you <laughs> shut up <laughs> sorry okay that's... it's hard enough for me to make it through this <laughs> okay 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 <clears throat> this summer coming to a face near you moon fist <laughs> Moon Fist. Buzz Aldrin has got a gift. A gift for your face. Moon Fist. Moon Fist. Um, gift oh, for your face.